Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. This is Sarah Perry. Welcome back to Haven Space. And today I have a very special guest for us. We've kind of been building up with some of the podcasts that we've talked about, specifically when it comes to disability access to sexuality, um, physical and mental disabilities, and how we feel like everybody should have access to pleasure. And Eva with Cripping Up Sex is here, and I think she embodies all of those things that we discussed and is really the epitome of a person fighting for um, dispelling the misinformation we may have had in the past about access to pleasure and sexuality. So can you introduce yourselves, please? Absolutely, yes. Hello, thank you for that. Um, my name is Eva, and as mentioned, I run Crimping Up Sex with Eva. Um, I have C cerebral palsy, uh, which for me means I am nonverbal and use a wheelchair and have assistance like the one you're hearing now. My name is Cameron uh, to read aloud what I spell on my letterboard. So for a for this podcast, you'll be hearing me read. Um, you'll either hear me spelling out on my letterboard or you'll hear my assistant reading my pre-written answers. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think it's important for the people that just listen to the podcast to know that we are going to have a video. And while typically my videos would only be accessible to people who pay for my Patreon, I think this is like a really super important interview and I, I'm going to put it publicly on YouTube. And I'm also going to be sharing the links that Eva gives us for all of her stuff and ways that you can help support her and her career as well. Um, when you are listening to kind of a lag in the way that we're communicating, you can see if you watch the video that we're actually reading off of stuff. So it may sound a little disconnected, but it's simply because we're just trying to make it as accessible as possible. Exactly. So um, we, what we did is we came up with a series of questions and we discussed what we were comfortable with and what we weren't comfortable with. And so it's a little bit different than my normal talks where kind of more fluid. This is more of an interview format. Um, so I'm actually just going to let you start um, talking about what you guys have discussed in some of these questions and then intervene if I feel like, oh, I think we should dive into something a little bit more, if that's okay with you. Cool. Um, so should I just read her yeah. answers without having any questions? Okay. So, well, um, I developed sexual feelings around the age of 12, as most kids do, but I didn't become sexually active until the age of 17. Okay. Um, yeah. So we're wanting to discuss things like something that came up in conversations with some of my peers was um, the idea that blossoming sexuality uh, would be different for someone who has been touched differently in their lifetime as far as like very non-consensual medical touch um, and people having like control of how you move and how you connect to other people physically, if that would have changed uh, what age you started having like arousal and sexual feelings and thoughts. But it seems yeah. like not at all. Uh, uh, that was not my 
experience, but that is definitely a very common experience among people with disabilities. Yes. E, especially if they have, they don't get, um, or they don't have say in what, in who touches them. Yeah. It's hard for them to have, you know, the power to say, say that elsewhere, especially in sexual experiences. Yeah. Were the people that you were having sexual thoughts and ideas about just people in your peer group, people that you were hanging out around, or were they mostly like fantasies? Uh, both, definitely both, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Um, so let's move on to like nowadays. I think the next question is um, how do you meet people nowadays? How do you date? Yeah, um, well, I'm a big fan of online dating. I put my disability in my bio, whether that's like through pictures and like a few sentences, like briefly explaining what my disability means to me. Uh, this is just enough to weed out people who are not open to dating or hooking up with someone who has a disability. And most people that do message me have questions. And as long as they're respectful and respect me, uh, it usually just means they want to get to know me more. Yeah. Um, do you date with your assistant with oh oh sorry that confused me for a second um, yeah not each other not each other do you go on yeah. dates too yeah yeah i've gone on not all of them um for uh f first dates especially like when you're getting to know someone i a I always bring someone with me because uh it's just better that the person i'm I'm meeting gets a chance to get to know me and not get to know how to help me or assist me or anything. As yeah. um, we de as we date more, there's more opportunity for them to learn those things so that we can have a certain degree of alone time. Um, but like in the beginning, especially, it's important to me to have an assistant there, and I and he never want my PA partner to be like my primary caretaker in any capacity. I know that works for some people, um, but for me, it's not worth the risk of burnout and like, and other things that can kind of come along with having that experience. Exactly. Can you discuss some of the things that comes along with that because I think that when people think about having especially a monogamous relationship which I haven't asked if you're a monogamous in your like romantic orientation but no. <laughs> I <Yeah>. understand <laughs> neither am I but I just thought yeah. possibly a lot so. of I think a lot of my listeners are monogamous and they don't really conceptualize how you couldn't be at least not be yeah. really came to my podcast yeah um, it's so normalized so right um yeah. so can you talk a little bit about the dynamic that people may um think of when they think of dating a person with a physical or mental disability about being like the caretaker and the person that yeah. handles their shit i think a lot of people assume right away that that's something they're gonna have to do which is not always the case yeah um they're 
can be the the feeling of you know like burden and resentment that build up and obviously like if you have like a really communicative relationship mm-hmm. you're checking in with each other you're making sure those mm-hmm. things are happening it can be avoided but at the same time it's still not for everyone and it's important to have boundaries and if your partner decides that they don't want to do it anymore there shouldn't be resentment or you know if they're mm-hmm. fine with doing it or if the person just feels bad that their partner has to do that kind of thing for them, that can also be a thing. I have let I have my let my my partner of five years uh, do more and more over the years. At first, it was a way less, but um, but slowly as things have gone on, we've gotten more comfortable with doing that. Uh, but at the same time, if they ever are like, hey, I maybe have an assistant come this weekend or, you know, stuff like that. Like, we're very communicative about those things. Yeah. Um, but it's also nice having a extra alone time together mm-hmm. and knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. I don't always need my assistant there. Exactly. Yes. So. And you as an assistant are assisting with everything, not just with communication, correct? Yes. Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we mean the role of the assistant would be a person that takes care of any kind of physical needs and any kind of communication needs. Exactly. I uh, need help with um, pretty much all my daily things from like eating, going to the bathroom, uh, you know, whatever things require. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any extension mm-hmm. of whatever I need to do throughout the day, I tend to need help with, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so we, you said you were a big fan of meeting people online. I don't know if we agreed to discuss if you have any partners that you just meet for casual sex, even if, I mean, for example, I have partners that I don't, would never call casual because I don't talk about people that way. But, um, but I mean, people who are solely around for having sex, like recreational partners versus like anchor partners. Oh, yeah. That, that's not as something I feel, see, oh, comfortable talking about. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Um, so when we are talking about um, dating a person with physical disabilities or cognitive disabilities, there's a lot of gray area when it comes to consent negotiations. Mm-hmm. Right. So can you discuss with us a few ways that you feel comfortable establishing consent boundaries? Well, one thing I really like doing is sex, not only because it's fun, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's just a great way to communicate with my partner about how we want our next meetup to go down. I also can do yes and no uh, gestures when I'm in the bedroom because obviously I don't have my letter board when I'm in the bedroom. Yeah. I mean, you could, but it would get really yeah, creative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you establish, you're communicating yes and no. Do you try to establish some t- type of traffic light system where you would say no, not as in stop it, get off, but as in let's change what we're doing right now instead of like a hard stop. Sorry. I, um, just, I I have looks, 
Um, I have like particular like facial gestures that people who know me can get easily familiar with mm-hmm. that kind of like uh, help them figure out what what I'm trying to communicate. Um, and two, 20 questions is an excellent game when you're trying to do, when you're, you know, only answers are yes or no. Because you can be like, oh, is it, do you want to change positions? Yes or no. Do you want a different toy? Yes or no. Like you can kind of scan through things uh, until you figure out the issue. So um, there are different ways to go about uh, communicating in, in that way. Okay. I love it. Um, so let's move on. What was our next question? Um, do you feel fetishized? Are you comfortable answering that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, personally, I do not feel fetishized. I'm aware that people sometimes fetishize disabled people, and those people are called devotees. Um, and I have had minor encounters with uh, devotees, but like overall, I personally do not feel fetishized in my life. That's good. That makes me feel hopeful for society. Um, okay, what about staying safe? We mentioned that you would bring somebody with you almost always on a first date. Um, what other things do you do to make sure that you're safe um, around new people? Uh, we brought Skip because I guess we didn't really, didn't really have an answer for that one. Um, but D, E, Definitely M E meeting in a public space is a really good way, um, and B bringing and bringing an assistant with me. I yeah. mean, really helps as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. Okay, so it makes perfect sense. Basically, um, double date and meet in a public space. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's great advice for dating strangers. Um, So how did you find access to education about sexuality for your particular body? Well, I didn't. That is like pretty much the exact reason I even decided to start doing work as a sex and disability educator. I had no plans to become a sex and disability educator. I just wanted to find information for me and it was not out there. Um, and I, yeah, I just realized I needed to make the content myself. That's so upsetting on so many it, levels. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you consider that there's virtually no sex ed anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, sex ed is shot. And then when it comes to disability, it's even further like non-existent well we try to desexualize people with differently abled bodies we try to desexualize people who are underage we try to i mean all these people with perfectly functioning you know pleasure sensations yeah yeah so it makes sense um and hopefully some of what you can give us is some tools so that we can go to those places and support the people creating the content like you, but anybody else that you also know and suggest and as a community start demanding that this kind of education be part of sex ed, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. It is a L I a little B E T a little better than it was when I was growing up. It still has such a long way to go. Yeah. 
And I feel like hopefully that's, you know, the direction all sex education is going towards. Like a, yeah, exactly. a lot less penis and vagina heteronormative sex and exactly. more enjoy yourself and stop being stressed out about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you find yourself, and I phrase this maybe a little rough because um, I'm not, Yeah, I laughed at it. Not, <laughs> but do you find yourself becoming a teacher every time you sleep with somebody new? Um, yes, but at this point, I'm really used to having to familiarize people with how my body and disability works because that's just the best way for me and for them. Uh, and I have a uh a like five um a five minute ass spiel that I can give to people (laughs) so uh it just makes it a lot easier especially you know if we're being sexually active for them to I need them to be familiar enough uh so that we can have a good time nobody gets hurt stuff like that so so yeah, it, you definitely, to, when you have a disability in general, I think you have to kind of be a teacher, but especially in the bedroom. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Um, let's see. I don't know if this... Oh, we, we skipped the how do you do the mover hand motor control thing. Okay. Um, how can sex education help pleasure access and safety for all people? Oh, we did actually answer the disability fetish play one. Okay, cool. So that question was, what are your thoughts on disability fetish play? Which would be um, pretending that someone is disabled or just pretending that you're the role of a caretaker, sometimes being a caretaker, but sometimes even being a little bit abusive. That's the idea of disability fetish play. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, I was thinking it was in the capacity of, well, either way, I, I think this still applies, yeah, because um, the devotee, I was thinking, I think we were thinking it was in the capacity of devotees who just fetishize disabled bodies and people in wheelchair, but, but that's definitely a thing, and I think it still goes along with what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like other fetishes, I don't really see it as a major issue, as long as everyone involved is, like, aware, enthusiastic about it and is, like, respected through the experience. Like, I don't agree with fetishization to the point of, like, dehumanizing the individual involved or, like, only focusing on, you know, certain aspects of that person. And Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you find this is... Um, oh, yeah. How can sex education help pleasure access and safety for all people? Well, most people with disabilities don't get sex education, like, at all. And if they do, it's the very cis-het, able-bodied, abuse-focused education. Don't talk about dating or pleasure, but focus more on, like, how the disabled person can try to avoid being abused, which is, like, important, even though to some degree is also a little victim. Yeah, yes, 100%. um, yeah, um, but because the uh, DI disability or disabled disability community uh, has a higher chance of being abused, that's part of why they feel they need to put that in. Um, but uh, sorry, I lost my spot. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
abuse. Uh, so yeah, like obviously to some degree, abuse is important to be um, being discussed, like when it comes to disabled people and in general. Um, but at the same time, like things like uh, pleasure and like sex and sexuality, gender, all of that stuff is just as important too. All the shit that they're omitting. Yeah. Um, so good comprehensive sex education that considers disability, sexuality, gender, consent, safe sex, and so on, can give disabled people the tools that they need to stay safe and have great sex and dating lives. Yeah. And I mean, really, it's such a huge part of being a person is connecting to other people, you know, physically and emotionally. And what a flaw in the system if we think that people aren't capable slash worthy of having those experiences yeah it is a really weird um, myth that has been perpetuated that disabled people are not sexual beings or they're like these like eternal children um my feeling is because s e sex uh gives you power when you own it when you're owning your sex and your sexuality and um, many, many, many disabled people are disabled disabilities. O R G organizations want their uh, want us to be easy to take care of, complacent. So it's easier to put you in the category of an eternal child because you're that much like less in power of like your body and your life, you know. Like, someone's constantly taking care of you. You're never really able to do what an adult's supposed to do kind of thing. Yeah. It's a really, really toxic uh, mentality. That's really dangerous and also causes a lot of people to not be able to live their lives fully or have a lot of shame and guilt around it. Exactly. So, we talked about... um we talked about the fact that there's going to be people in the lives of any person that are, that are the people in charge of like bringing them up. Right. And that those things can affect how you perceive sex. So do you think that you, um, kind of blossomed into this authenticity on your own? Like this is a matter of advocacy. This is like, I'm an activist for this, or was it something that was, part of your upbringing like you deserve to have these things also uh both honestly i uh have had pc pcas which is personal care assistance um Mm -hmm. all all my life and most of them were f e um we're like feminists <laughs> so uh had some good influences there yeah. um but p a r t part of it was just me it was just me being me owning mm. myself yeah <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm glad you were able to be matched up with people that like fed into you and you could feed into them. And Exactly. Yeah. So the work that you do now, um, 
How do you get your message out there? What avenues do you use? What kind of advertising do you use to try to? Yeah, um, well, the the best place to go when you're first checking out my stuff is just tripping up sex And from there, you can, you know, check out my social media. I've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cripping Up Sex. I also have a Patreon that people can support me at and uh, a shop that has um, all my virtual classes that you can buy that are uh, pre-recorded from like Sex and Disability 101, Oral Sex and Disability, and so on, talking to your doctor. And I do H, I do L, I, live. I do live classes. I'm always available to do, give uh, virtual classes especially right now mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and for you know schools and any other organization that's interested um, and yeah that's amazing um, and do you have you've mentioned you have a patron but do you have a Venmo account that people can donate money directly if they'd like uh, I have a PayPal which you can also find through my website yeah okay awesome so I'll make sure to get at least some of my people to show up and provide a donation for your generous um, time today. And I know this took us a while to plan and go back and forth. I appreciate your patience with me. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you want to leave my listeners with before we go? Uh, No. (laughs) No? Well, thank you so much. We loved having you. And um, if anything else comes up, if any of my followers are going to hear everything Anything else that Eva has to say, please shoot me a line and I'll make sure to get it over to them and make sure that we get all of your questions answered. Thank you so much for joining me and I will catch you next time. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.